So let me read the script for conducting the electronic meeting. Um, this is an action item. Um, I would like to call to order the July 21st, 2021 Transit Advisory Board meeting. This meeting will be conducted as an electronic meeting pursuant to the continuity ordinance adopted by the Board of Supervisors on March 16th, 2021. Um, any members signed up for public comment today, Sarah? We did not receive any sign-up. Okay, so no members of the public have signed up to speak at this meeting. As everyone knows, the county and the region have been implementing a number of measures to help limit the spread of COVID-19 in our community. Today, we are implementing social distance measures in the large conference room too of the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure, 101 Blue Seal Drive, Suite 102, Leesburg, Virginia, in accordance with the recommendations of the Virginia Department of Health. As such, members of our staff and others who will be participating in today's meeting are calling into the meeting via tele telephone conference to further limit the number of people who have to be in the conference room too. Committee members, please remember to keep your microphone muted unless you are called upon to speak. This will limit the feedback experience when multiple microphones are on. For today's meeting, I'll conduct a roll call vote on all, on all items to ensure every committee member is recognized and that vote recorded correctly. Committee members will be called upon in the same order for every item. Additionally, when making a motion or seconding, seconding a motion, please state your name. I'll begin the meeting with a motion certifying the electronic meeting. All right, certification follows. Call to order motion for electronic meeting. I move, the, move that the Transit Advisory Board convene their July 2021 meeting as an electronic meeting pursuant to the continuity ordinance adopted by the Board of Supervisors on March 16, 2021, and certify that all items on the agenda for this meeting are necessary or appropriate to assure the continuity of government during the COVID-19 pandemic disaster. Is there a second? Second, Charles. Thanks, Charles. All right, I'm going to do the roll call vote. Bruce, is that a yay or nay for electronic meeting? Yes, I'm, I'm present. Okay, thanks, Bruce. Charles? Yes. Thank you. Jackie is absent. Um, John Henkel. John Henkel, yes, electronically. Thank you. Cleo Curry. Yes. Thank you, Cleo. Belated birthday wishes to you. Maggie Parker. She's not, she's not here. Oh, she's not here. Absent. All right. Mark Farage. This is Mark Farage. I vote yay on the motion as read. Thanks, Mark. Mar Marty's absent. And Ram Mengtaslam, I vote yes. Rushi Shah? This is Rushi Shah, I vote yes. Thanks, Rushi. Vlad is on vacation, so he's absent as well. So the motion did pass one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven yes. No nays, and then four absent. All right. All right. That's cool. All right. So that motion passes, and I'll sign this for Sarah. All right. Um, 
So member, the next item on the agenda is member and guest introduction um, information item. We don't have uh, any mem any guests um, are public in here. Um, so items 1B and 1C, uh, none, um, unless any of our members want to reintroduce themselves to the transit board. <laughs> I take that as a no. All right. Um, business matters uh, number two, item number two. 2A, um, so Transit Summit Recap. Um, so Mark, uh, Faraj, I'll go, I'll take a swing at this first and then if you want to add additionally, please do. Um, so our Transit Summit was held on, uh, I believe, Tuesday, May 25th, if I'm correct. Sure. Um, and uh, these are some of the notes uh, that I borrowed um, from the uh, county government. So are they, at the Transit Summit this year, we heard information on opening of the Metro Rail, um, Silver Line Phase 2 in Loudoun County, currently scheduled for early 2022, first quarter of 2022. And, um, and second, um, we, ha we, heard, we heard, excuse me, a commentary on transit-related issues from advisory boards, including our advisory board, Transit Advisory Board, and um, Commission on Aging, Disability Services Board and Loudoun Health Commission. And third, uh, there were findings that were presented by from the study on the unmet transit needs for seniors and disabled residents um, study that was conducted. And fourth, uh, overview of the Loudoun County transit route design and modification process was uh, presented. And uh, the last in there, I have here is a results of a study to identify strategies for using existing park and ride lots as Metro comes into load. Um, so that's one and you know, the, one of the takeaways from this uh, list of items, five or six items uh, that I just mentioned, um, is that there is some additional work to be done to provide transportation to our disabled and elderly population, which um, I think uh, Scott, Penny, um, are, are aware of, and they've been working uh, closely with our supervisors, uh, uh, Chad Randall's initiative, I think, from a couple of years ago. Um, I think um, in terms of the other thing to note was uh, that was mentioned um, in the summit was the park and ride lots uh, pre-COVID. Uh, there was heavy usage of that, but uh, I'm not sure uh, what we're going to see now that the traffic and um, public are now venturing back into transit and uh, commuting to work and other places. Um, and the other thing that was discussed briefly was, um, you know, to see, uh, expand, possibly expand the service to, into the neighborhoods, uh, if you will say, um, where citizens could just, uh, you know, walk uh, from their, literally from their home to a bus stop and then take a metro. Um, I think and this is more around uh, densely populated uh, parts of Loudoun County. Um, and, um, and the supervisors also commented this type of service could be expensive, um, but you know, it's an added convenience, enhanced convenience uh, for the residents. Um, so that's, those, are, those are from my notes at the Transit Summit. Uh, Mark, uh, if you would like to add uh, um, in addition to that uh, from the Transit Summit, please. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would add is that um, we did have, as Ram 
indicated the briefing from the CEO of uh, WMATA, um, who's general manager, Paul Whitfield. Um, I think the information that he relayed was um, in line with what we have received on ridership data that WMATA is really behind from a ridership and a budget perspective. Um, the I think the best phrase would be the struggles are real. Um, so they're operating obviously in a considerable budget deficit based upon ridership. Um, which is impacting everything that they're doing, I think, from both from a security perspective all the way to uh, operational perspective. So I think from a TAB perspective, I think we need to be keenly aware of transit impacts that Loudoun County constituents may be facing beyond just our bus lines um, all the way into Metro. And we just need to be cognizant of that. And I think what that's going to do, just my um, reading on what was being said is, is I would think that the silver line is going to continue to get pushed um, from an opening perspective uh, as we're continuing to see. Thanks, Mark. Anything else from, my, from your end? Or um, you good? No, I think that's it. I think uh, otherwise the recap was good. Um, the unmet transit needs, obviously, we um, discussed from both an elderly and a disabled perspective. That document is comprehensive, um, and I think there is a lot of information that comes out of that. Um, I did a briefing of that to the Disability Services Board, and I think the uh, budgetary items that are needed to be able to fill those gaps is going to take a significant amount of time and will probably be a considerable area of focus for both the Disability Services Board um, and for us as a tab to continually monitor and, and see how that's going to shift um, as transit shifts over the next few years, I would guess, as we get back to some sort of a new normal. Could I add? That is all. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Mark. Um, sure, go ahead, Ben. Just an update for the, for the tab on this, on the unmet transit needs. Um, the board was generally in, in support of the recommendations, which was a mobility coordinator and the addition of one, possibly two or three uh, uh, vans to be used for uh, this population, but no final decisions were made. And of course, we had recommended that whatever they decided that it come through the fiscal year 2023 budget process. Um, I'm hoping, well, I actually have scheduled a meeting with Chair Randall just to make sure she's, you know, if there's any outstanding questions for her, because she was uh, the dominant member who wanted to wait to make any uh, further decisions that night. So um, I want to find out where she is on that. Um, there's a couple of grant possibilities out there that could help with this program, but I, I've got to follow county procedures in terms of board authorization to make the grant application, that type of thing. And, and so um, knowing that we're going through a budget process and this is going to compete with lots of other issues, we need to get some additional guidance from, from the board, which we will through, through the process. But Chair Randall needs to give me some indication of what, she, what, she, what her read is in terms of where we're going on this. The other action item, uh, significant action item, was to take a look at the paratransit three-quarter mile boundary on any fixed route to see if we should be expanding that beyond the current boundary level or area. Uh, also coming out of the unmet transit needs. So that's another action item that we're, we're working to get going so that we can respond to the board. Thanks, Penny. Um, hey, Penny, this is Mark. Do you mind if I ask you a quick question on that? Sure, go ahead. Um, yes. I know that 
you know, there was considerable pushback from Chair Randall just from a timing perspective of, of making a motion and moving things forward. And she indicated that she really wanted to kind of wait almost until after summer from a budgetary perspective. And I know during that meeting, there was some apprehension expressed as to whether or not it would actually be able to be wrapped into the 2023 budget process from a timing perspective. Do you still have those reservations? And is there anything that we can do from a TAB perspective um, to help perhaps motivate or move that process along in a more expeditious manner? Well, I, I think that you should be speaking to your respective board members that have appointed you and, and, and continue to keep this subject in front of the board, board's attention because I think everybody on the board, even Chair Randall expressed support for what we're talking about. Um, it's just a matter of resources and putting that up against everything else the board may be asked to do, but one way is for you to continue to keep the subject in front of their um, their list of issues that they're going to be dealing with, and, and uh, um, that would probably be the best thing you could do. And we'll keep working at from our end in, in terms of uh, keeping Chair Randall's attention on it, so. A uh, quick question. This is, mm -hmm. Quick question, this is Cleo. Um, thanks for giving us a rundown of um, the the top top items of mind. I guess my question is, as a board member, to, as it pertains to transit, are we looking at routes being cut back, prices going up, are we in a holding pattern? Um, what's the area of focus with the long haul and the, um, um, the other routes that are being serviced right now? Well, actually, we have a report to give to you at the end of the meeting. Steve is prepared to report on what's going on with our transit system. We could do that now, or we could wait till that item comes up. I have. We're a, trying to be responsive to whatever's happening with our transit demand. Is a short answer. Um, I think we will hold uh, hold off on that. Okay. Okay. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Rishi, you a, had a question or a comment? Yeah, so you, you mentioned the three-quarter, Penny, thank you, uh, and Ram, thank you, the three-quarter mile uh, paratransit uh, radius. Do you, you have any idea of if we increase it, say, by a quarter mile or whatever the number is, how many more uh, individuals we could capture in, in that in that expansion, or, or is that something that you're going to be looking to get an understanding of as well? I don't know. Um, that's going to have to be part of the study that, you know, we'll bring in a consultant that can spend the time and pull the data together to sort that all out. Um, and Sarah and Scott might be better able to tell if, if we, I don't know if we know geographically where individuals with handicapped situations or um, seniors are located. I don't know if we have that geographic data. We do. We, we, have, do. That, we have the census data to be able to do that. So, yeah, okay. the answer is it, it's going to take a little bit of work. We don't have it. If if we had that remix software we were talking yeah, about earlier today, it would be like that. But yeah. we don't have that. But, yes, we still have the access to we have the layers, right? They, we have the census data layers that shows as of 2017 was the last one, but 2020 is getting ready to come out, I think. It'll be uh, a few years yet on that, on the most on, recent data. On which one? The, uh, the 20, 2020 data. The updated data? Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, so the long and the short of it is yes, we can do that. We have the ability to do that, and that will be part of obviously doing this to figure out, you know, what if we expand it out by a quarter mile, you know, what are the repercussions? How many folks does that, you know, enable? Or if we go out at another half mile or, or something like that. So, yeah. um, yes, we, we will be able to do that. Thank you. And just, just as for the record, uh, the quarter mile was just an example, was not a suggestion. I don't even know what this, what we would, would that be, would you be coming back with a suggestion on how far to expand, if at all? So if you just, if there is a suggestion to expand, would there be a recommendation of how far to expand that radius? Well, I, I, I think if I'm going to be perfectly transparent here, um, we may have to wait and see on that recommendation as to what's going to happen with Virginia Regional Transit because VRT is federally funded and with the new census data, um, they may be losing some of that federal funding to operate service, specifically I think the Route 40 that goes into Percival, but I don't know whether or not they would be willing to stay in the county and operate service for a couple of buses as opposed to six. Um, and if that's the case, then we've got a bigger thing to look at, right? Because now you've basically lost half the county has lost, um, you know, the ability to have rides. Right now that's where all the on-demand ridership is. Um, so that's the only reason that I, I kind of hesitate to say what we would come back with at this standpoint. I, I mean, the goal, we're, I think the goal right now is to kind of hit it from a two-fold standpoint. One is to start expanding out on our existing routes and our new routes and see what that's going to do and how many people that's going to impact with an eye on if something happens out west, we need to be prepared to be able to handle it. And if I could add, I think at least uh, we don't know yet what we suspect we know what's going to happen with VRT, but we do know right now that the board has said take a look at the current boundaries. So, um, you know, just as you did, Rusty, I, it could be up to Route 15, it could be some other demarcation that we haven't identified. But as TAB members, if you've got some suggestions that you think we should consider, um, we're, we're working on a scope, so we welcome your ideas and your suggestions on that. Uh, but that we will give to the consultant some options, route all the way to Route 15 or something in between, one quarter mile or maybe a mile from the existing boundaries. So we're open to suggestions on that. The board was not specific. They just said take a look at it and come back with options. So, Penny, did you say um, um, the consultant, there's somebody looking at this from a cons uh, consulting firm perspective, somebody's already... Yeah, we'll hire a consultant to do this work Okay, for so it. someone's not on board yet? No. In oh. fact, probably chances are we'll be using the same consultant that okay. that did the original study that led to this discussion. And do we know when um, they might start on this? Um, on this one, I would say it would be September when they get started with fall. it. Okay. Yeah. And of course, we probably need, we will need to know some recommendations for the board for their budget process because Correct. there are budgetary implications. Yeah. And just to keep everybody on track, remember our, our budget, transit's budget is due, we have to have it completed by the end of September, which is, you know, believe it or not, only 60 days away. 
So in that case, are we going to just add a line item to this and then give a rough rough estimate? Uh, what we would do it's given not that complete. Yeah, I mean, it's not unusual to, for something to come in past that deadline, something like this. What we would do is talk to the budget office and say, put a, a, a line somewhere in your proposed, that, you know, your estimates that right. this might cost X a amount of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's and a placeholder. Later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but the board still has to decide what they want to do with it. Yeah. yeah. During their uh, budget process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you good with that, Rishi, for now on your question? Yes, thank you very much. Okay. Um, any of the members have other questions, comments on this? I will say a big thank you to the TAB for participating with the public comments. We yeah. do do appreciate yeah. public input. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I do recall I couldn't make it in person um, for some reason. Um, I thought it was all remote, and typically I just pop in to a board of supervisors meeting or two, and um, I, I could have delivered it in person, but you know I, I was able to join in, uh, remotely. But and uh, and I, I believe uh, Vamada uh, CEO he couldn't make it due to um, I think an overrunning meeting or something. So we tap. Yeah, there was end a technical problem there for him. Yeah, yeah getting yeah. him. Tap ended up going first yeah. um, on the public comments. Uh, Ram, I thought it was virtual as well. Otherwise, I would have made my way. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so with that, uh, let's move on to 2B um, in business matters. Uh, so clean energy transit initiative. Um, so I know um, this is something that uh, might come up in the summer time frame, Scott. Um, you know, uh, that's why I asked Mark to be add, to add this to the agenda to see where. We are with this whole, um, you know. I know that it had to go to uh, the state budget, um, and then it had to come to the county and then a finance committee, and then it gets hashed there, and then uh, I, I think board of supervisors, and then it goes to procurement and whatnot. Uh, the process. You so. hit it pretty good, so. Ram. You hit it pretty good. So <laughs> where we are in the process right now is we did apply for the grant funding. We were awarded the grant funding. So we have grant funding to purchase two electric transit buses, and we have grant funding to purchase two compressed natural gas buses, transit buses, both 35 foot. Okay. Um, so that process is already completed. The grant, uh, the actual project agreements have already been sent to us. Mr. Hempstreet's already signed off on them. So we're the only thing that's holding us up right now from ordering those buses is there is a state, you have to write a state contract or at least another municipal contract. We typically buy off of the Virginia State program, which is EVA, it's what it's called. Um, and the transit bus that we are looking at, transit buses we're looking at at Gillig's, um, that contract has expired and they're in the process of renewing it now. So uh, as soon as it's renewed, we will be able to move forward. Um, we're stuck in the water right now because until it's renewed, we won't know what the prices are. Until we know what the prices are, we won't be able to cut a PO because we don't know what the amount of money is. So that's where it stands right now as far as everything's been done, funding's in place. It's Now it's just a matter of getting the contract mechanism to ride. Um, so that's that piece of it. Um, 
following along with that is, you know, when you buy electric buses, you have to be able to charge them somewhere. So we are, um, obviously we have to work on that piece as well. Um, our bus yard is not in a Dominion Energy area, which Dominion's very, very, um, in the, kind of in the forefront of this and, and pushing and, and um, got a lot of grant programs out there. Unfortunately, we're in Novec territory, so um, we're in the process of, of working with them or at least trying to have conversations with them about what's it going to take, you know, to add charging stations at our yard. Um, and quite frankly, we have to have an energy um, uh, study done to see if it's going to, you know, do we need to have additional electricity pulled? Do we need to have another um, cabinet put in? Do we need to have, you know, that kind of thing? Um, and so we're we're in the we're in that we're in that process as well. So we're moving on that. So that's really the Bruce Cabell, the all around update. Has joined the meeting. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce dropped it. Yep. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, so that's really it. That's that's the total update on as far as the okay. clean energy, as far as the, where we're buying, okay. we, the buses we got, okay. the grant funding, and then where we're headed. So a um, couple of questions from my end. Um, so uh, was it, did we apply for six buses or four buses? So we applied for six. We actually have applied for more than six. Okay. Um, six happen to be clean vehicle bus. Right. We applied for two electric, right. two hybrid electric, which right. is gas and electric, right. and then two compressed natural gas. Right. The hybrid electric buses got mixed or okay. got rejected by okay. the funding by the state. Got it. Okay. Um, basically, they said that they have funded several of those buses and they're not having good success with them. Okay. In other uh, jurisdictions. In other jurisdictions, so okay. they are choosing not to fund those buses okay. anymore. They don't basically what their researchers told them is that there's not a whole lot of future for that for hybrid buses. Okay. And, so and, and I want to make sure they either are not in between as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to make sure everybody's clear too because one of we Penny and I were having this conversation earlier. A lot of times when you hear about counties and communities and municipalities talking about electrification of their fleets, it's their vehicle car fleet, their truck fleets, not their bus fleets. So I just want to make sure that, you know, the information I'm providing to you today is about bus fleets, just to be very specific. Okay. So so that's the first question I had. Um, thanks for clarifying that. And the, you said you talked about the state contract EVA that's expired, that needs to be renewed or signed. Um, when do we expect uh, ink on that? We don't know, um, and it, that doesn't mean that it could be tomorrow. It could have been happened today. We, I, I don't know. Um, Alan Winning, who's our fleet manager, is in touch with, um, I think her name is, I don't want to guess her name again, but um, he's been in touch with her two or three times a week checking on this contract. And, so and so who are the parties involved on that? Um, Gillig, okay. you know, who the manufacturer and the state. Okay. And I, at the way that I understand it from Alan is the state has done their part, now it's in Gillig's court. Okay. Okay. So okay. I, I don't know how much 
COVID, you know, because they're a private company. I don't know how much COVID is affecting that. Right. Um, you right. know, what, the those, whole manufacturing the, and the whatnot. manufacturing yeah. companies took a big hit for a while because you, you know, they all they hand built all their buses. Yeah, stuff like so they couldn't be in the same building. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm sure that there's a lot of personnel struggles going on in that company okay. as well. So DOD has done that part, is what you're saying. Virginia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah, Virginia DOT has yeah. done your part, yeah. correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's all uh, I had. Uh, questions, comments from members on this uh, topic? Ron, this is Mark. I have two questions. Um, yeah. First one, just from the grant sourcing perspective, I know this is through Virginia State or Commonwealth of Virginia. What is the actual grant sourcing? Well, it's the Department of Rail and Public Transportation is the, the is the entity that we get funding from, and the funding is not federal. Okay, that's so what that was kind of the source of my question. Come, I think I, I honestly I think it comes from, if I remember correctly, the Mass Transit Fund. Um, I could find that out for you. I used to know that answer, and I haven't looked at it. Yeah, well, they've restructured how they fund right. transit too recently. Right. Um, and then it sounds like you sort of quasi answered the last one, but what do we have what the average lead times are on the buses once they're ordered now, just from a maybe a wag at this point? Well, the, in a, in a pre-pandemic standpoint, they were 12 to 18 months. Okay. So from the time you order it to the time you get it is typically somewhere between 12 and 18 months. Um, Gillig had just actually, as fate would have it, pre-pandemic had just completed when I say just completed, within a year completed their new facility, so they were able to speed their process up a little bit. Still didn't get it above 12 months, but they were averaging about 15 months pre-pandemic when with the last order that we had built. So, and that's a very good point. I'm kind of glad you brought that up, and that is so that everybody realizes that while we, as soon as we can purchase these buses and cut a purchase order, we're not going to see them until the you know end of next year at best. Yeah, more like a 2023 deployment. Uh, yeah, you're probably correct, Mark. Particularly with electrical and <laughs> all the all the other moving parts on this one. So um, yeah, that... I I don't I, I don't anticipate the the um, the charging stations to be that big of an issue unless we haven't bought one. So I don't know if actually getting the parts might be an issue because that has been an issue in some areas. Obviously, you see the cost of everything in manufacturing trying to get supplies going up. But yep. as far as actually getting electricity to where we need it to, having conduit pulled and all that, I, I don't see that being a big a big problem. And is there any additional we infrastructure required for the uh, LG? or the natural gas? Uh, compressed natural gas, no. What we're going to end up having to do is, well, we'll have some internal changes in that we will probably make sure, not probably, we'll make sure we have one of our service trucks has got a tank on it. Um, and then we will likely fuel those buses. There's a Quarles facility down near uh, Route 606. Bruce and we will. Has left the meeting. Oh, uh, I think yes. we had somebody uh, come in and yeah. drop again. Yeah, 
Um, so anyway, that that they will. Our, our thought process on the compressed natural gas is to use them in the vicinity of 606, some of our routing down there, um, and then they can fuel up down there at the Coral Station. Gotcha. So there would be no on-site fueling plans, at least right now, for within Loudoun County, we would be using a secondary source. And then that raises the question, is that a contract? Um, from a fueling perspective, or is it just a, um, a retail transaction perspective? Well, we already have a Corals contract. They're the ones that do all of our fueling anyway. So the fact that that's a Corals station, that's already in place. I'm Including sure that the natural they, gas component? Right. I was going to get ready to say that they'll probably have to negotiate that price out, but it, it'll be guaranteed it'll be far below retail. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Any other questions, comments from members on the, the Clean Energy Transit Initiative? All right. So with no further comments or questions on that, moving on to item number three, organizational matters. Um, so this is an action item. Uh, approval of May 19, 2021, business meeting minutes. Um, is there a motion um, to um, is there a motion for the, the meeting minutes, staff meeting minutes? Is there any changes, or is there any motion to pass the meeting minutes? I make a motion to approve the meeting minutes from May 19, 2021. Um, thanks, Rushi. Is there a second? This is Cleo, and I second. Thank you. Um, let me do a roll call. Uh, Bruce, is there a yay or nay for the meeting minutes? There is a yes from me for the meeting minutes. Thank you. Charles? Yes from Charles Lyles. Thank you. John? Henko? All right, I'll come back. Cleo? That's a yes for Cleo. Thank you. Um, Mark Frosch? Yes, on um, the motion is read. Thank you. Ron McDassam is a yes. Rushi Shah? This is Rushi Shah, I, I vote yes. John Henko? I vote yes, I had trouble un unmuting myself, sorry. No problem. Thanks, John. So that um, motion passes seven um, yes um, and four absent and no yay, no nays. So um, the next organizational matter, I guess it's more uh, an information that's been added to this uh, month's meeting as well. Uh, so we have four. Um, open uh, positions on our uh, transit board. Uh, Metro connects local buses um, and EDAC position and uh, Rod Run District. So I believe, um, Sarah, um, did we advertise for the three positions but not EDAC, right? I reached out to EDAC. Mm -hmm. 
the week of uh, 12 July, we had the highest ridership on both commuter bus and metro connection services since the start of the pandemic in March of 2020. On the commuter bus, we uh, completed 1,817 trips during that week, uh, which is an increase of 293 trips over the next highest week since the pandemic started, which was the week of 21 June. Um, as of Monday, so far this month, we've completed 182 a.m. commuter trips and 195 p.m. commuter trips. Now, on those trips, and this is all to put kind of in perspective what these increases really mean from a practical standpoint. So on those trips that we've completed in the month of July, our largest passenger load has been 29 passengers uh, on a 55-passenger bus. And those loads of 29 passengers have occurred on 3 a.m. trips and 1 p.m. trips. So the point there being is while we are pleased that we're increasing, that we're growing, as far as actionable data, we've still got plenty of room before we have to take uh, action uh, to address any capacity issues. Uh, a big help in that, obviously, was the lifting of social distancing that occurred on 30 June, which allowed us to increase our passenger capacity on each commuter bus from 25 uh, to its full capacity of 55. So uh, that was obviously a big help operationally. Uh, and just as a bit of comparison in terms of how recent uh, these trends are, also during last week, commuter ridership was 9% of pre-pandemic levels, which is up a full 3%, uh, I'm sorry, nope. <coughs> Um, 
one uh, suggestion that seems like a good one for on a broad basis. All of our DC routes are going to start serving a uh, stops at F and 11th Street, which will give us greater penetration into the Penn Quarter neighborhood. Uh, we're hoping that you know if we can advertise service into that region of DC, um, perhaps that will gin up some new interest uh, in some new areas of the city. So, any any questions for me? So the uh, two services, the new ones, is that nonstop from Percival to DC and back, and same with Dallas South to Pentagon and back. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, I left out. The Percival service will serve Percival and the Harmony Partner Ride Lot. So we're going to okay. activate both. Uh, Percival's been in service with a Metro Connection route, but we'll activate that for commuter. We'll also activate Harmony, and that'll go straight into DC. DC. Um, the Dallas South service, as I mentioned, will be Stone Ridge and Eastgate directly to the Pentagon, um, and it will come straight back. We will not go south of the Pentagon into Crystal City. Uh, in order and no to no stops activate. anywhere in Loudoun County. Nope, just, no, just Stone Ridge and okay. twice. All right, this is, I have one question. When you had uh, capacity issues, did you have to turn away any riders and, and, and divert them to another bus or later bus? Um, turn them away. Technically, we put them on another bus. We, since we started service up when we started seeing that we're optimistic that we were going to see a return to transit, we have had strategic spares stationed, um, ready to put into service if we did hit that 25 passenger or exceeded that 25 passenger demand or the 25 passenger capacity. And before social distancing was lifted, I believe that we had to activate the spare bus on three, maybe four separate occasions towards the end of June. So the lifting of social distancing came at a great time for us. Um, we are still maintaining those spares um, against, again, a, a surge in ridership. The last thing we want to do is be caught in a position where we're having to turn people away. And we are trying to encourage them onto the bus. So, Cleo, did we respond to your question that you raised earlier? I want to make sure you're satisfied. Yes, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you, Penny. Um, I guess my question is in looking ahead to the budget that's being created for 2023, how is this data going to be used to, or or will it be used to create the budget? Um, the fiscal year 2022 uh, transit budget is fully funded. Uh, we took an item to the board last fall and asked them for guidance on how to prepare our budget, knowing that ridership was so uh, off from what we had previously done, but the board opted at that time to fund us as though we were pretty much back to pre-COVID levels of ridership. I anticipate that that's what they will do for fiscal year 23 as well. Um, they're certainly wanting to see more people on transit, and of course with the Silver Line coming, they're very you know excited to see our transit route changes so that we're encouraging people to go to the Silver Line once it opens. So. Um, in terms of the county's budget, I think we're fine. Um, as you all uh, may be aware, we've gotten uh, three rounds of uh, transit funding from the federal government, um, CARES Act, CRISA money, and don't ask me to say what that stands for, and then ARPA money. But that's helping carry us forward with regard to anything that we need to pay to WMATA, which means that we free up money to help support whatever our transit programming requires. 
So at this time, I'm not concerned that we will not have sufficient money should we return to pre-pandemic levels, which of course isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to be a hope, uh, you know, an upward climb is what we're hoping for. Great, thank you. And then as a follow-up, uh, now may not be a good time considering we're still in the pandemic, but I'm still inter interested in um, taking the physical tour of the facilities when we can. Thank you for that reminder. Yeah. So Sarah, looks like Rushi computer rebooted and then looks like um, he needs your help to make to be him him to be made a panelist. I think he had a question or a comment. Well, we're waiting for that, and, and Sarah may have to move the page here for us, but we have been providing graphs to Mr. Hemstreet every month, and behind Stephen's report are several graphs that show, um, this first chart shows what happened pre-COVID and then how it dropped dramatically. Uh, you can't see the incremental small changes that occur, but the idea is to keep tracking. Thank you, Sarah to see what's going on. So you, you can see week by week what we're we're seeing. So this last week, as Stephen said, we see a small uptick in uh, commuter. And if, if you don't mind, I reread my notes and realized I misread them. What I was trying to say is that while commuter service had been operating at slightly over 7% of pre-COVID levels during June and July, last week it jumped up to 9% of pre-pandemic levels, and then Metro Connection had been operating at 6%, and this past week it jumped to 8% is what I was stumbling over earlier. So that's that uptick you're seeing at the very end of that graph. Um, so hopefully we'll keep seeing that. Just, um, I guess, anecdotally, and would be good information for us, for, for all, and this goes out to all TAB members, um, if you could one by one just let us know are you when you're going are you going back to work physically when do you think you're going back to work physically and how many days a week do you think you're going to be in there we're just really trying to kind of get an idea from everybody as we're talking to them you might want to control that just one and say go mark is saying i don't know oh, so so i think um Scott wants a live survey from the transit members. Um, all right, let me do the roll call. So um, I'll, I'll just go by the order here. Uh, so the question from Scott was, um, if you plan to go back um, uh, into work physically, and if so, how many days a week? And if when, you use transit, and when? Um, so first, in the list here is Bruce. Yeah, that's a that's a tough question for me. So I'm I'm federal, and we kind of I work at EPA, and we kind of like listen to EPA. And right now, we there aren't any plans for sending us back to work just yet. Uh, I've heard that from a no number of federal agencies downtown. But uh, yeah, I would plan to go back to work but uh, I'm on a part-time schedule anyway. I'm a phased retiree, so I wouldn't be going back to work more than one day a week. Okay, 
Charles. Yes, um, I work for the FDIC and we have a three phase approach for return to work. And my phase, which is the vast majority of people, you know, kind of like the regular employees, um, they anticipate us going back in early 2022. Um, and then it's optional. So as of right now, it's optional whether or not you go back. So some people are still going to choose to work remote. I think most, from what I can tell so far, most people, the vast majority are going to choose to still work remotely. So we, we haven't been told definitively that we must go back in in early 22. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The next one here is uh, John Henkel. All right. I didn't commute pre-COVID and I won't commute post-COVID, but <clears throat> most of the federal agencies I deal with, uh, I don't know what their plans are. Uh, they're actually functioning very well with people not commuting in and they may just continue to do that when everything goes back to normal. Thanks, John. Cleo, Curry. Also, oh, sorry. Wait, can I add a little more to mine? Um, this is Charles. It, um, they do, it, it is looking like for the, for the people that do go back in, it's probably going to be on a, you know, one day a week or something like that. One day a week or one or two days of pay period, something like that. Thanks, Charles. Less than 50% is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Cleo Curry, yes. Okay. So uh, I was commuting downtown at 15th Street uh, from Leesburg, and uh, I have uh, started a new team. So while I'm with my same firm at UBS, I'm now based out of the Tyson's location, but I do not go into the office at all. So I'm working remote. Um, as far as return to the office, it is uh, optional and I have chosen not to go back. Uh, if I have a client meeting, which we're not even allowed to have client meetings in the office at this point in time, um, then I would go in, but uh, I plan to stay remote. My thinking is, and I'm glad that you asked this question, Scott, is when I go back, when I do go into Tyson's, the way that I, I can do it multiple ways. I can drive in, which is the quickest. I could take, um, drive over to Sicklin, which is what I was doing before and take the Metro connection, then take the Metro, then get in, which is triple the time. Or I could drive to the Metro, which still cost the Greenway and parking um, to get to my office. So the most convenient option for me, which I can afford to do, is to drive in, even though I would prefer to take um, commuter service. So that's what I'm facing. Thank you, Cleo. Thanks, Cleo. Um, Mark Farage. Well, I'm in my office in beautiful Bethesda. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I'll, I'll provide you guys some anecdotal information as well. Um, being in the hospitality space, we uh, this is a prime con concern to us, probably just as much as it is to you in transit. So um, us corporately, obviously, um, and within the REIT space, at least in the hospitality space, most people are returning to work, um, at least most of our peers within the Bethesda market and uh, in Virginia, including park hotels, 
Marriott, uh, Hilton, et cetera. Um, it is a, somewhat of a phase plan. They're, um, we're gonna be bringing back everybody probably full-time within, um, within a week or two after Labor Day. So uh, September timeframe. Um, now, the, the challenge with that, and uh, this is directly attributable to transit, is that the majority of the space within Marriott Hilton um, and the REIT space uh, is long hours and most people don't commute unless they're doing uh, Metro um, within the DC area. Um, so that's just a, a valid point for you guys. Um, from a hospitality space, this is what we're seeing. Um, even though TSA checkpoints have almost, you know, returned to what I would consider 75, 80% pre-pandemic levels, um, what we're seeing is, is that it's primarily being driven by leisure versus work. Um, we're not seeing any group travel. Um, group travel is generally indicative of people returning to work. So they return to work and then they do their group things, whether it's convention spaces, uh, CPE, um, large customer events, et cetera. So that's not uh, on the table yet. But what we are seeing is what we call Smurf, uh, which is small, um, small business travel, military, um, things like that. Um, however, our polling and what we're also seeing from the various brands, Hilton, Marriott, Hyatt, Wyndham, et cetera, is that even though um, there is some of that small business travel starting, most of it is um, customer meetings and it's being driven by executives that are in office and generally executives do not use Metro. Um, so just a, just a point of uh, information for you guys or some points of information. We are right now, just from a public company perspective, we are not forecasting um, pre-pandemic levels until 2023, 2024. Sounds about right. Thank you, Mark. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks, Mark. And if anybody would like to stay at any of our hotels, please, please do so. <laughs> <laughs> we have 104 beautiful choices to choose from? No, I'm just yeah. Do we get discounts? <laughs> Give me a shout. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> right now, we need every dollar we can. And <laughs> Mark, what hotels are they just for? Uh, we own everything from the Knickerbocker Times Square to the Hilton Cabana in Miami, uh, embassy suites all over the U.S., courtyards, Hyatt's, Wyndham's. You've probably stayed at one of our properties and didn't even know it. Thank you. Um, next is me. Um, so I did not commute pre-pandemic and um, do not uh, foresee commuting um, into the district or locally. Uh, maybe driving um, to the district or maybe to Tyson's for meetings. Uh, sometimes um, I might just fly out from uh, Dallas or Reagan for a meeting out of out of state. But having said that, um, I, I do um, look at uh, employment opportunities across the job boards. So one thing that I see in most of the job opportunities today is if they're applicable, um, uh, the big benefit that they're offering is you can be remote. Mm -hmm. So that's like a big, yep. huge big thing. Draw. Huge thing. So um, literally you can be anywhere. So. Um, so 100%, um, you know, and so we can stay in one of uh, Mark's hotels here on <laughs> <laughs> uh, from a beachfront property and just walk off there. So um, 
So having said that, um, so that luxury is going to um, make or help people uh, move. I think it's going to create some movements. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I see it in a different uh, scales um, in terms of uh, um, you know if there's um, if there's a, a district or a county that has good schools um, but not so much employment opportunities, but you know less taxes. You know, um, state taxes and you know, real estate taxes are acceptable. People are going to move there. I think I'm, I see that shift happening, but I'm not sure how soon. Uh, people are a lot of people have already done that move um, to um, southern states, primarily um, from west coast here, um, uh, Texas and Florida in particular. Um, Communities, pockets of communities there from California and here I've seen that, and Tennessee too. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my insight. Thank you. Yeah. Um, hey, Rob, I'll add one other thing that just made I totally forgot to add. Just to let you guys know, our service providers, Pricewaterhouse Coopers, Grant Thornton, um, pretty much all of the public accounting and large consulting firms are all remote, and they still have no return to office plans. So those are some uh, big employers within DC. PwC actually just moved from McLean into DC um, to take advantage of Metro and cut back on commuting, but they're, they have no return to work plan right now. I think uh, just going into the office is optional. And since most of their clients are out and about and remote as well, um, from my discussions with various partners, they're, everybody's working from home. In fact, they've had a challenge where a lot, a lot of their staff have moved to Colorado, Florida, Texas, uh, and are continuing to service their clients from uh, more luxurious locations. Yeah. So I yeah, think, so I think we're really going to see a seismic shift. Uh, I, I, I don't think there is going to be return to full pre-pandemic from a commuting perspective ever. Yeah, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to create some movement, but I'm not sure uh, to what level. Um, thanks, Mark. Rishi, Shah. Yeah, so uh, I work in Reston for a private company. Um, I, 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 so I actually don't commute. Uh, take the take the transit. I it just it's seven to Fairfax County for me. It's really it's really simple, especially with the um, with the uh, all the lights gone on seven. It's actually pretty easy for to get there now. Um, going back, we don't know. We're not planning on going back until the at the earliest until after MLK Day. And with the, the Delta variant taking over, there is question as to whether that time is even is e even feasible, depending on, obviously, with this pandemic, things are month to month, you know, so there's already a Lambda variant out there. So we don't know if it's, you know, what it's going to be. So at this point, the earliest we would come back is, is after MLK Day. And even if then, I sincerely doubt that we will be in full time uh, in the office. I, I, I mean, you, you saw, I don't know if you saw the news, Cap One has gone to a hybrid model full time where starting this fall, they're going to be Mondays and Fridays working from home, period. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it is, we encourage you to come in, that sort of thing. They want everyone to come in those days. So, so they basically get to work from home uh, Mondays and Fridays and then uh, come in on in the middle days. I suspect that's probably where we're going to end up uh, because, you know, just based on, even though as an organization, we are far more uh, efficient being remote. If when you introduce a hybrid option, uh, 
that 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 efficiency because now people are not 100% remote there's there's now heterogeneous to that you're going to get people that are going to want to come in and then the, the this webex meetings and all these things they're just not going to be the same you're going to see people coming in and as i've commented to my boss several times i'll look forward to coming in so i can do less work so uh you know um so uh and I, I say that jokingly, but it's actually true. Because uh, you know, it's very true. Very so, true. Um, so I, I suspect in the long run, I will be going in probably three days a week, uh, working from home a couple of days a week, and it, you know, you just it just I don't think you're going to see the same level of of commuting traffic, just like everyone else is saying, commuting traffic. Uh, now, obviously, there's going to be certain jobs. Like if you're at the State Department and you're processing passports, you got to you got to be there. Uh, you know, it's, and there's going to be some jobs that you just got to be there for. But many jobs you don't need to be there for. Um, if you're, you know, if you're an analyst at, at, in Langley, you're probably going to need to be, be at the building. But you know, you're probably not taking a bus there either. So I don't know about that. But I mean, you kind of get my point. There's some jobs you're going to have to be on site. There are going to be some jobs that are. Uh, a lot of jobs that are not in my particular job, you know, I'm in Reston. It's 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 a relatively easy jog, 30 minutes uh, each way. Uh, so I, I don't I don't think you know you're going to need to have the full the full suite of options available like we did uh, pre-pandemic. Yes, and as somebody who drives from Loudon to Bethesda every day, I hope that traffic does not uh, return to. Uh pre-pandemic levels <laughs> I'm hoping there are no commuting options for me i think i i tried to take the metro one time uh about five years ago and it took me like three hours to get to work yeah there's, there's just no good there's no good way there's no, no good way like, and i'm done <laughs> yeah and i would i would argue that um you know i hope that people don't do what cap one does and everyone does mondays and fridays at home that means everyone's still going to come in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so you're going to have the same level of traffic. So you just kind of, you know, hopefully they, they, they space it out, but that may not be initially. But um, yeah, so in terms of planning, I think you see a pretty, um, is there anyone behind me? No, there's no one behind me. So um, in terms of, uh, so Scott and Steve and Penny, I think you're going to see that you're just not going to see as much demand on, on both um, uh, on commuting and so you know what does that mean you know the 66 become less expensive and there's, there's that money coming back to the to the to the uh, to the commuting because there's less money coming back will toll road prices go up because the revenue is going down because there's just not as many trips and i'm talking about the dallas toll road but you know the greenway is a whole different beast so you know so you know you know we already pay i remember when i got here 20 years ago the toll road was like 50 cents on, 25 cents off. And, you know, if you're starting from Tyson's now, it's what, 350 total. So, you know, so it's gone up quite a bit and, and they keep going up every year and to pay for these things. So it'd be interesting what what the what the fee portion, the you know, that are on all the subsidy portions are going to be in terms of budgeting. I think that will be something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Rushi, I think I think you're right on that. I think there's going to be a break point where even people like myself, I take the Greenway and the Tollway. You know, that's really the only convenient way from Loudoun into Bethesda. But there will probably be a point, depending upon what traffic looks like, um, particularly with them expanding 66 lines uh, going into the Beltway, where it may make sense for people to stop using 
the greenway and the toll. And I think what you'll have there is, you know, this they'll have less <laughs> less tolls, so they'll have to lower it just to attract. So, I, particularly with the 66 expansion, there's going to be, I think, for once there will be excess bandwidth capability of going into into the district. Yeah, now, Mark, I will tell you that I, in my experience, if you don't get that virtual cycle that you're talking about, I think it's going to be a vicious cycle where they're going to raise rates and less people will show up and there's going to be raise rates and there's going to be less people. You know, where you're saying, okay, well, they'll lower rates and more people will show up. I don't I don't see that happening. So Yeah, yeah, but I think they'll raise them to the point where nobody will ride it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're getting close to that already. Yeah. I know I know. I try to I try to avoid the toll road at all costs, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's on a, I guess now it's probably 20 bucks both ways uh, for a day. Yeah, if you use the toll road and the greenway, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Rushi. Um, I appreciate those comments. Um, anything else to add um, on this from any of the members before? Um, I, I, I would just ask a question for, to, you know, the transit team there. Um, what is the what is the thought process as we continue to look at this new ridership data? Um, and again, I, I think things will start shaking out Q1, Q2 of 2022 of, of downsizing buses, uh, of using smaller buses, um, maybe more fuel efficient, uh, maybe more options from an electrification perspective. Is that is that feasible or just a, a pipe dream? No, I, I, I mean, the. The fleet right now is poised, right? Every year we have buses that are going in their 12-year end-of-life cycle, so we can downsize. Um, you know, we, I actually just, you know, we just sent an item to the county administrator to downsize by nine buses right now just because we've got this excess fleet sitting around and it's been 15 months. And there doesn't, based on just like this conversation right now, right, it's, it doesn't appear that it's going to change. Um, so it doesn't, you know, there's, there are budget implications for us, right? What, the more buses that we carry, the more we have to pay into our bus replacement fund. So it, it doesn't make sense to carry 30 or 40 extra buses if that's not gonna happen. Um, now, if your question directly is switching to smaller buses and taking them into DC, you know, unless we change the seating outlooks, I'm not sure that somebody's going to be happy sitting in a plastic seat going all the way into D.C. Uh, they're, they're not the most comfortable rides when you're riding around an inner city bus on the highways, if that was what the question is. I think you'll probably find less routes as opposed to smaller buses. I, I, and, yeah, and that's probably what we'll – and that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, now we – like – like Steve said, we are seeing a, a, you know, we are seeing an increase, albeit small. And I, I would, generally speaking, my business gut tells me, similarly to what Mark said, I don't see pre-pandemic. I, I, let me rephrase that. I think we'll get back to pre-pandemic levels, but not in the same form that we were in. Right? We may get hit pre-pandemic level ridership in. 2024, but it will likely be more Metro Connection rides than it would be commuter rides, is is what my thought would be. Um, because what and you know it's that's the thing is the big unknown is once rail opens and once people get comfortable with taking transit again, 
you know, are they going to be taking it in to go to the zoo? Are they going to be taking it in to go to Tyson's Corner? Are they going to be taking it in to go to Reston? Um, there's a lot more opening up for Loudoun residents because rail's coming out in, and not necessarily just a business way. And I, I would add to what Scott has said, uh, and that is that there are, you know, through the unmet transit needs, we've identified a gap that isn't even wholly being addressed at this time. So I think, and Scott said this, we're posed, or poised, what's whatever the word, we're posed to be able to change the composition of our fleet to better address needs that we've identified that need to be addressed. So that's the, the, the good spot that we're in, is that if we need less of the coach buses, more of the Gilligs, when we go to replace the, the coach, we go for the Gilligs like we did on the, on the uh, energy efficient buses. No, it's interesting that, Scott, you mentioned, um, you know, whether it be going to the district for business or, you know, a pleasure you know, or the weekend. Uh, that reminds me of uh, Supervisor Letterno's comments that, you know, it would be interesting if our transit provided, at the transit summit, if the transit provided like a family pass or a family mm -hmm. ticket, mm -hmm. because I think with the growing population in Loudoun, I think that's something that um, you may want to consider, mm -hmm. you know, down the lane to put out a survey that if uh, our uh, county residents would be interested, um, you know, in utilizing transit, you know, over the weekend or so, or summer, uh, for trips into D.C. Uh, for, you know, museums or um, uh, the zoo or whatever the case might be. So. And they can go to Bethesda and stay in a hotel there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of Mark's so, uh, hotels. Yeah. <laughs> so that might bring in, that might, you know, it, it's a shift, but depending yeah. on, you know, how we look at the shift. We are at a crossroads in yeah. transit. Yeah. We really are. Yeah. It's changing. Yeah. Um, I've got one item that wasn't on the agenda. It sure. came up this afternoon, and, and I'll just give a little bit of background. And um, what this is is an invitation to members of the TAB to participate in a statewide uh, focus group, um, customer focus group. Um, during the last legislative session, there was a House Joint Resolution 542, which was adopted by the General Assembly. And it, the purpose is, and it's called the Virginia Transit Equity and Modernization Study. And it's, the purpose is to identify the needs and opportunities related to the equitable delivery and modernization of transit service. And the emphasis is on understanding or engaging underserved and historically underrepresented communities. So it follows along the lines of the unmet transit needs, but it's, it may be a little bit different. Um, and so uh, DRPT, Department of Rail and Public Transit, is reaching out to communities across the state to participate in focus groups to make sure that we're engaging people from all over uh, to give input into what people in the community want. Uh, they're going to do a separate survey of transit organizations, but they, they're reaching out to the community to get people that live in the community to participate. And it could be somebody from the, you know, from the TAB, somebody from the Disability Services Board, uh, people like that. And I'm bringing it up because I just got this notice today. So I wanted, didn't want to miss the opportunity, and I sure. can send out more information. Yeah. But I, I, and we've technically missed the deadline, but I'm going to call DRPT tomorrow and say we would like to get some folks to participate in that focus group. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay, so, uh, so 
how many uh, members can participate in that from uh, state transfer? It, it doesn't say specifically. It says the study team is looking for a representative sample of customers from different areas across the state. And they specifically mention Rider Advisory Council, which I consider this group that, stakeholders who represent riders, again, this group, and then paratransit users. So the Disability Services okay. Board might be the, where, the place I need to reach there. And so what I would need is the person's name, the contact information, and the population represented. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll have Sarah send this information out to the whole tab tomorrow. Sure. And then, um, Mark, you're on the Disability Services Board as well, aren't you? Okay, I want to make sure yes, we get this to them as well. Yeah, because I think this is an opportunity to get more input from Loudoun County in this process. And I can ping and the uh, Disability Services Board and see if any of them are commuters or if they okay. have anybody Thanks. they know who are commuters. Okay. And if there isn't, I'd be and glad to, you know, offer my two cents based upon what I've uh, gotten from sitting on the Disability Services Board. Wonderful, wonderful. And this is a multi-year process, or actually it's uh, starting this summer and it goes through the spring, but it's, I think they have two years to complete this whole process, but it's a significant shift within Virginia in terms of making sure that uh, we're addressing issues of equity and providing services to communities that are underserved. I think it's a real opportunity for us to, to get involved with this. Okay. And uh, so if um, any members interested, um, when and how um, do they communicate? They will, what they're going to do apparently is, is try to get a diverse uh, representation across the state and probably by regions would be my guess. Uh, and then they will have, I would guess, remote focus group meetings where they bring people together and just go through a series of questions with those individuals. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, when um, Sarah sends that uh, out to us tomorrow, um, if, you, if we could get some guidance on when, um, I guess we send that reply to that email um, um, expressing any interest to sit on that. Yeah. Um, and um, if you can give a, a timeline as to when um, you expect that interest, say like a week okay. or so, so that you can take it forward after your conversation with RPD tomorrow. Sure. I'll call their office tomorrow and try to get more details yeah. about the process, and then I'll uh, send that with my the information I send. Yeah, that'll be helpful, I think, before yeah. um, before we start um, yeah. expressing interest. Um, thanks, Penny. Um, is, is it all from your end on that topic? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, but that, um, I think that's that's pretty much it. So, the next business meeting, um, or the tab, is being tentatively proposed for 6.30 p.m. on the evening of Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021, Six, um, at our location to be determined. Um, one week prior to the meeting. Uh, uh, Ron, one thing I'd like to add is the, the current provision that allows us to have these electronic meetings is due to sunset before that meeting. It's going to expire September 14th, I believe. Okay. And at this point, I don't have any indication that they are intending to renew it, 
extended or uh, for what's been. So I would encourage the TAB members if they uh, prefer this as a format for uh -huh. having the meetings that we've had really great attendance by doing it electronically to reach out to their board of supervisors and, and let them know uh, how they weigh in on, on that. I, I don't know if there's an opportunity for it to be extended. It might be a state requirement, but I, I do encourage people to to communicate with their with their district supervisors. That's a good point. So um, in the event that it is not extended, we will be required to have an in-person meeting. One thing we wanted to discuss is if the 6.30 time frame still works for people to be able to travel to the location. Most likely we could we would have it in Leesburg, uh, and we could have it here in this room if, if that works for, for people. Yep. Um, I, I haven't checked if there are other county facilities that are available on that date to host a meeting of our size, um, so I would have to look into that. Yep. Yeah, unless... Uh Delta or Lambda intervenes, like Rushi said, right? Uh, it changes the whole uh, dynamic. But uh, to, your, to your point, Sarah, I think if it's going to be an in-person meeting on 22nd, we might want to move the start time to 7 p.m. Um, instead of 6.30. So we give, we, we give uh, some cushion for people to come in if they had to uh, come well, here. Rushi? Um, no. Sorry. Rushi, this is Charles. Um, can I... Is it possible that we can maybe shift the meeting up two weeks so we still fall um, before the expiration of that provision for us to allow us to have the electronic meeting? I, I did think about it, but uh, I'm not sure how the... Uh, <laughs> um, I, I did think about it, but I'm not sure. Sarah, uh, do you have any... That's Okay. 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 Or do we... Uh, we, would need to, we would need to make a decision either tonight or at least 21 days before the date okay. of the meeting. Okay, let's see. So Charles suggested two weeks prior, um, which is basically... Well, it can be any day prior. And right? <laughs> if it sunsets on the 14th, it can be any day prior. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Just as long as it's before that. Yeah. Yeah. September 8th would be the Wednesday. That is that following Labor Day, right? That'll be a short week. Um, um, September eighth. Um, uh, I'm 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 fine with that. I think that needs to be an action item. So that needs to be an action item. Um, uh, is there a motion, Charles? You making a motion for September eighth? Uh, yes, for the meeting to be. Okay. Yes. Is there a second? This is Cleo. I second. Okay. Cleo seconded. Any discussion? On that. All right, I'm going to do the roll call. I didn't expect to do this roll call. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I didn't know this was coming. <laughs> no, I, I thought about it, but I was like, mm. um, all right, Bruce. Um, so, um, Charles, uh, the motion is um, to conduct the next uh, TAP business meeting on the evening of Wednesday, September 8th, uh, 6.30 p.m. Electronically, um, um, so I'm recording your vote. Is it a yay or nay? Uh, you're asking me, right? Uh, I'm first up. Yes, you're first up, Charles, uh, Bruce. Um, I'll, I'll vote yay. 
Thank you. Uh, Charles? Charles votes yay. Okay, thank you, Charles. John Henker? I have to vote nay. I will not be available. So you said you would you would nay? Nay, because I will not be available. Okay, got it. Even remotely. Uh, Cleo, can you? This is Cleo. I vote yay. Okay. Um, Mark Farage? This is Mark Farage. Uh, I vote yay on the motion. It's red. Thanks, Mark. Um, and Ram Venkatesham, um, I vote yay. Uh, Rushi Shah. This is Rushi Shah. I vote yes. Okay. So that uh, motion passes six one and four absent. Hey, Ram. I had. Uh, I just. I missed who seconded that motion. Sorry. Uh, second. It was seconded by uh, Cleo. Cleo Curry. Okay. That's what. I, that's what I thought. <laughs> Had a little bit of static yep. there for a moment. Yeah. Hey, thank, thank you, you very much. Everyone have a good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.